0: The pastor made a comment that was fairly startling, but I believe is true. He said that should the Spirit of God suddenly be taken out of the world, 95% of what we do in our churches would continue on the same. (laughs) Uh, The person that heard this was shocked, but as he pondered it, he knew that he spoke the truth. And if we surrender to the Spirit of God, imagine what God would do in our day. Rekindling uh, our passion, what is the key really to rekindling the work of God? That's what we want to look at today. There's a very famous story in the life of Dwight L. Moody. I've referred to it several times. And I bring it up not for us to look for an experience, but for us to understand the dramatic difference it makes when the Spirit of God is in control of someone's life. Dwight L. Moody was a very successful man. He had the ability to motivate people and all, and he was developing a pretty good ministry in Chicago. But God really broke him through the Chicago fire and some other things that happened, and he was in New York City heading to England, And there God really dealt with him after some things that had been said to him that made him really think about his spiritual life. And this is his own words. One day in New York, what a day. I can't describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred to name. I can only say God revealed himself to me. I had such an experience of love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I went to preaching again. The sermons were no different. I did not present any new truth. Yet hundreds were converted. I could not be back where I was before that blessed experience. The Dwight L. Moody that we know was blessed because of now a dependence upon the Spirit of the living God to accomplish the work of God through him. Now again, Uh, Do not look for the experience here, but the fact is there is a huge difference in a believer's life when they are truly living through the power of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me, very familiar passage, but one that is just full of truth. I'm going to do my best to get through this here this morning. And if you can think and listen quickly, I want to get some uh, truth here across that I believe, can make a great deal of difference in our personal lives, which will then obviously change our families and the work of God. Because we cannot conjure up our own passion. We must have the heart of God, and that can only be through the work of the Spirit of God. But I want to look at the problem first. So first of all, let's look at the exposure of our false security. Why we as believers think we can get by without a very clear, definite walk with God moment by moment. And as we look at this false security, first of all, there's the dependence upon human works. This is just the normal default position of our humankind. That's why so many people miss what salvation is. They depend upon their religious works, their human works, whatever it is. To think they are part of getting to heaven. And until you realize that it is an impossibility for man to get to heaven uh, you're not going to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all of God. And yet believers can run into that same problem. In fact one of the core Uh, issues in Galatians is this matter that the Galatians were being corrupted by those that were saying yes salvation is by grace but you have to still do follow the Judaistic uh, traditions and so forth to be able to be the kind of Christian that will please God. And in the first uh, 12 verses in uh, Galatians chapter 5 he has some very strong language under inspiration here about this. I'm not going to take the time to go through this but he talks about uh, you don't need to be, the matter of circumcision is not the issue, uh, you, this matter of the works and depending upon uh, religious aspects. In verse 12 he ends that section very strongly, I would that they were even cut off which trouble you In other words, this is a very serious affront to their understanding of uh, what it meant to truly uh, walk with God. If you look back at chapter 3 verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Well, I just want to say there's not a Christian in this room, say by the grace of God, that has not attempted on multiple occasions, multiple occasions to walk by our own strength and our own works. It is just the natural thing that we do. Griffith Thomas, has the commentator, has a very has a strong statement that I think is good. The supreme danger of the Christian life is that of legalism, for there is an inevitable tendency to assume that also, although justification is by faith, sanctification is somehow by struggle." That although the sinner is powerless in regard to salvation he is not so in the matter of holiness. He thinks he cannot be sanctified unless largely aided by his own efforts. Does that sound like what a lot of you have to face when you're trying to win people to Christ? It's got to be by our works plus Christ. No. Uh, not, you're not going to be justified that way and you're not going to be sanctified that way. Uh, During the Spanish War, Spanish-American War, the late President Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, he was a colonel at the time received a number, um, he had a number of his Rough Riders that had uh, gotten sick and were in deep trouble and uh, Clara Barton, you've heard of her, uh, she received a a supply of, uh, of delicacies and other things that would be for the invalids under her care and the colonel asked her, she would sell a portion of them so that he could help his sick men. He was very burdened for them and very troubled, but she refused. And he came to her and he said, how can I get these things? I must have proper food for my sick men. I'll pay for them uh, out of my own pocket. And then she said, just ask for them, Colonel. <laughs> oh, I get it. And uh, he then just humbly asked for her help. And that kind of natural perspective that Theodore Roosevelt has, I'll take care of it, I'll solve the problem, is exactly the way we think. When truly the victory in our Christian life is through faith by depending upon God for it. Uh, Church attendance is very important and boy is that needed in our day but that is not how, it's not the way you get to be spiritual it certainly will give you the truth so that you can be giving devotion service all of these are key but just doing all of these things and checking them off will not bring you into the spirit-filled life but they are tools that god will use and uh, the problem is many believers are not living a life of faith they're not experiencing god's grace um And they are fooled into thinking that they're spirit-filled because they have a heart to do right um, and that they have a a love for the Word of God. Romans chapter 7 is so helpful. That great battle there of the flesh uh, in our lives. Verse 18, Paul says just humbly himself, for I know that is in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Now note this, for the will is present with me. Why? Because he was a Christian. But how to perform that which is good I know not. In other words, he had a desire to do right, but in the flesh he didn't know how to do it. Now let me just say this, folks. Just because you have a heart to do right does not mean that you're spiritual. Spiritual is spirit filled, spirit controlled. And uh, that, that'll fool you. Another one is uh, verse 22. For I delight light in the law of God after the inward man. For I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he goes on to say, I thank Je- Christ Jesus my Lord, which is what we're preaching about today. But he says, I not only have a will to do right, I delight in the law of the Lord, but he's speaking here from defeat. Friend, if you want to do right and love to read the Word of God, that means you're a Christian, most likely. That's evidences of that. But that does not mean you're spiritual. You, it may mean it and it may not. That is just the heart of a new creature in Christ. Now there's a a far side to this. The Spirit of God caused the Apostle Paul to balance this out. Not only uh, can we think we're spiritual because we're doing all these things and we're pretty good, but then today we really have this problem. There's a dependence upon spiritual liberty. Look with me back in chapter 5 at verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not the liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Now, liberty is the fact that we're not under the bondage of the law in as far as that being the means for anything. But it does not mean that this uh, justification by faith, that we're saved totally by Christ, means that we can just live like we want to live. He says it very strongly. For we have not been called and liberty, we have been called into liberty, we only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bide and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another. And so he balances out here that uh, there is a great danger for a Christian to feel spiritual because he is Living a good life, but also there's the danger that uh, feels spiritual because he doesn't see the necessity of the law of God to expose his fleshliness. He just talks about grace. Folks, liberty and God's grace is the ability to be freed from the bondage of sin and to live freedom in Christ, to be like Him. That's what that means. But we have so much teaching to the contrary. It's very interesting if you look back at verse 13, that word occasion uh, is a word that indicates a central base from which all operations of a military campaign originate. And so as William Pettengill says, if this is the imagery of the word in the present passage, the suggestion is that liberty must never become a base from which our sinful natures lead us to disobey God. So there is a temptation, folks, to come to this conclusion that there's no definite standard for spirituality since we're not under the law, and so therefore we can feel pretty good because there's really no expectations and uh, that, you know, we have the flesh and it's just t- typical that you're going to sin, that's just part of a sinful life. Well, Folks, you've got to read passages like Romans 6, sin shall not have dominion over you. Uh, very clearly, we have that uh, sin no longer uh, in, in verse six of chapter six, uh, uh, the, uh, the new man has been repla- uh, the old man has been replaced by the new man, and the flesh has been rendered ineffective. And if we walk by faith, yield to the Lord, we can live moment by moment in victory. Folks, that's the greatest news you can ever hear outside of salvation. There's not a defeat or a problem in this room that cannot be addressed by the grace of God fully because Christ's work on the cross was complete. And the Spirit of God indwells you. You are a new creation. You are created in righteousness and true holiness. And if you will yield to God, you will have victory. Now, Uh, The problem is that we believe that there's just a regular amount of fleshly indulgence and certainly we will struggle with this until we are glorified. But we can have freedom. And so therefore people do not uh, then, uh, they feel like they're okay, they, they have a heart for God, they are They do things for the Lord, and um, they have been saved, and so therefore they're spiritual, aren't they? So you can see both sides. Depending on the flesh, or just depending on this false perspective of liberty, you can convince yourself that the carnal Christian life is okay. Now folks, let me just say, as that first quote that I gave you at the beginning stated, honestly, the vast majority of American believers are thinking they're okay and they're not, and our country is in deep trouble because of it. Listen, I've said all along, this country is not in trouble because of unsaved people. This country is in trouble because of saved people. We have the answer, we have the power, we have the uh, ability to see God work through us, but when we, th- we rationalize and think we're okay and we, th- we throw the word spiritual around, but it's not genuine or we don't understand, uh, we then uh, lose the power that God wants to give through us. And I could take some time here. You notice how he says, don't go to the flesh, but instead the law is fulfilled in love your neighbor as yourself, loving one another. You see it's a total giving up of self to be uh, able to give sacrificially to meet the needs of others. And, um, and so love is the key uh, when it comes to the outflow of the commandments of God. So we must understand as this passage if we were to look at it more intensely would realize that no aspect of fleshly living is acceptable to the Lord. And we must allow the Holy Spirit to expose where our excuses are. So folks we talk about rekindling the passion. It's not going to be through human works and it's not going to be by thinking we're okay. It is going to be by having a genuine relationship with God empowered by the third person of the Trinity who indwells us. So let's go to number two. Instead of this sort of uh, passive we're okay mentality, we need to have an examination of our fleshly sin. And the only way we can do that, and this is the positive side here, is to understand the standard of the Spirit-filled life. When you understand what our salvation means and what the potential is that we have in our Christian life, we can then have a very honest look at where we come, where we fall short without being devastated by that and realize the answer is in allowing the Spirit of God to work in our life. And so as Ephesians 5.18 says, we are to be filled with the Spirit and that first, that verse begins with, and be not drunk with wine. Don't cope with life by escaping, by uh, by coping, by any kind of indulgence, uh, running from the problem, the Spirit of God, if He is in control, and we're going to look at verses 19 and 20 in just a few minutes, uh, we will have all that we need to walk with the Lord. So we have a great promise of victory. If you'll look with me at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I don't often have you quote Scripture with me, but I'd like you to uh, quote, uh, after this I say then, now quote it with me, "'Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh.'" Now I'd like, with a little more conviction, please, here this morning, "'Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh.'" Folks, that's good news. Did you get that? If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fall. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You will have victory. That is a promise from God Almighty. And so it is very important for us to get a hold of this. Now, a couple of things here. This this is a command walk in the Spirit. In other words, we are to take step-by-step step of steps of faith so that the Spirit of God is in control. We realize we can't do it. We're looking to Him. We are having a relationship with God. And, uh, and this is a command. And therefore, if we will follow the command, it should be a continual state of the believer. But we're battling, of course, the lust of the flesh. I'd like to read here a quote from Pettengill. The lust of the flesh is simply any kind of selfish desire. The great problem in the Christian life is how to avoid living selfishly and getting victory over selfish desires. The answer is found here. We are to walk in the Spirit, or rather, by the Spirit. And if we walk by the Holy Spirit, if we yield ourselves to Him, if we present our bodies to Him and give Him the right of way in our lives, He will give us triumph over selfish desires. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than our fleshly desires. And remember, our spirit has been regenerated. Our flesh, our body of sin is powerful, but it is no match to the Holy Spirit. It is no match to our new creation, newly regenerated spirit once we are saved. And so God wants to do an ongoing work of victory. Dr. A.J. Gordon, uh, the famous Boston pastor, visited the World's Fair in Chicago. And in the distance he saw a man robed in a bright, gaudy, oriental um, outfit and uh, was making uh, was uh, pumping a crank uh, at a, a well there, and there was a mighty flow of water coming from his efforts. Well, Gordon was really impressed by the man 's energy, his smooth motions, and his obviously obvious physical conditioning. He was pumping a tremendous amount of water, however, drawing closer, he was surprised to discover the man was actually made of wood. <laughs> Instead of turning the crank, making the water flow, the flow of water was actually turning the crank and making him go. And uh, though that's not a perfect illustration, um, that's how it is when rivers of living water come from us because we are surrendered to him. And the Spirit of God enables us to think like Christ, to have the mind of Christ, Uh, to have His wisdom, to have the power that we don't have to accomplish His work, and then to have the great strength and grace to say no to sin, as we saw from Titus chapter 2 a couple weeks ago, what great promises those are. And so the Spirit of God will enable us to do that which we could not do, if we are not yielded to Him. That's why so many Christians are discouraged. They've got addictions, they've got problems, they've got uh, depressive issues. It's because they're constantly trying to do it themselves or just feel like it's just inevitable they're going to sin. This matter of the Christian life doesn't seem to really apply to them as it ought to. They don't have that personal relationship with the Lord and they're not seeing the miracle of God changing them and changing their mind, and changing their life, and, being, and seeing God do a mighty work through them. And uh, so that's why rekindling the passion comes from the Lord. And so uh, the flesh will become more and more subdued. We'll always have it, but we can develop new spirit-filled um, just... Uh, patterns in our life that allow uh, us to see Him work mightily. If you were to go through the characteristics of the Spirit-filled uh, man, and I don't have time to look at them today, but you'd find the freedom. If you want to know if you're Spirit-filled, there's freedom in your soul. There is holy living. We already just read that Galatians 5 16, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's truth understood. John 16, 13, howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He shall guide you into all truth. Uh, you have access to God in prayer. Prayer is very real to you when you're spirit-filled. Uh, Ephesians 2:18. for through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. We have wonderful assurance that we're a child of God. Uh, Romans 8.16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We have leadership in prayer. Romans 8.26 and 27 talks about how the Holy Spirit helpeth our infirmities and uh, enables us to make intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Lord Jesus, the last thing He said is that we would be witnessing. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. You see, when there's assurance, when there's uh, just a reality of prayer, when we're seeing God work in our life, um, when we have uh, just that victory and soul winning, what's happening there, yes, some of those things can be done through the energy of the flesh outwardly, and that's the regular heart of a Christian. That is what the Spirit of God enables us to do. And there's joy. I read uh, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. The next verse talks about speaking to yourselves and in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things. This is what happens when you have um, a Spirit-filled victory in your life, you have a, a God consciousness, you have a thankfulness, not a bitterness, you're not reacting, and God is working. Does that sound pretty good? That's, that's what the Spirit does, not what we do. Now that becomes us. But we have to have His power. Now if you look down with me at verse... Uh, uh, verse excuse me verse 22 very familiar verses here but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law now here is directly what the spirit of god go, uh, does and i'm going to just quickly go through these love this is amazing we are selfish by nature. We do not love naturally. We have affection. Sometimes it can be very noble affection. But true sacrificial love is rare. The closest saying is deep family love and commitment. But when we're spirit-filled, God enables us to do the unthinkable, to put ourselves uh, under what needs to be done for others. The spiritual characteristics of love are to be like God, to seek the highest good for others no matter who they are. That involves all kinds of relationships. Love for God, family, brotherhood, neighbor, enemy. As Tertullian, the historian back in the Roman Empire said, see how these Christians love one another. That was the mark of spirit empowered revival christianity of those days but what's the key fleshly problem with love it's self-centeredness looking out for ourselves not wanting to go beyond the comfort zone concern more for our reputation than the advancement of others joy is another part of the fruit of the spirit and by the way the fruit of the spirit you don't have one of them and not another Every moment he's in control. And this is the great news. You've got love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of those. That's the whole package. Joy. Joy is a spiritual characteristic. It's a deep and abiding inner rejoicing which was promised to those, is promised to those that abide in Christ. It does not depend on circumstances. It's not happenstance, happiness, happiness. Because it rests in God's sovereign control of all things. You believe that. And how important. George Mueller would not preach until his own heart was filled with joy. We ought not leave our homes. We ought not meet our families until we have the joy of the Lord as our strength. Because that means we're spirit controlled. Um, A.W. Tozer said, The Christian owes it to the world to be supernaturally joyful. Joyful. Every time we enter the workplace, every time we see lost family, every time we're in different situations, it ought to be obvious that something supernatural is happening in our lives. But the key fleshly problem is human expectations not allowing the spirit to show what he is doing with the circumstances. Listen, God will take even the hardest things. And he is, if we want to walk with God and we want his will done, he is in a, he's making a masterpiece of our lives by all of the intricacies of what he's allowed to happen. And when you believe that, there's joy. You embrace what God is doing. Peace is the next one. Spiritual characteristics, free of, heart, of human yearnings fears and desires that come because the human race is out of order with the creation and rule of God, satisfied with the position and law of God. No sense of conflict with God. You see, a lost person can't have the peace of God. And uh, many times Christians don't have it because they are not really yielded to the Lord's leadership in their life. And that gives us to the fleshly problem lack of submissive spirit to God. If you don't have peace it's because there is an area that is not submitted to God um, or those He had, has placed in authority over us to God's Word. Long-suffering the spiritual characteristics distinctly Christian word never used in the classical Greek. It is a steadfast spirit which will never give up patient, mainly used in connection uh, with our attitude and response to our fellow man. And it's a wonderful thing. As J.B. Lightfoot says, "...the spirit which will never retaliate." What's the key fleshly problem? It's bitterness, blaming someone else for your problems." This causes us to lose control and lash out to get even. This is the world's thinking as it was back in the Greek world and exemplified by Aristotle when he said that virtue was a refusal to tolerate any injustice or injury. that sound up to date? You see that attitude, long suffering was not even in the Roman thinking of that day. But that's what a Christian has when they're filled with the Spirit. Gentleness, spiritual characteristic, moral kindness, which causes us to deal graciously with others, a sweetness which pervades and penetrates the whole nature, mellowing there all which would have been harsh and austere, a kindly disposition. What's the fleshly problem? Pride, desire for self-promotion. Goodness. This again wasn't found in the classical Greek. It is a distinct Christian virtue, the energy, action, zeal of moral goodness, kindness that springs out of a heart that is upright and opposed to all that is mean and evil. What's the key fleshly problem? Inner moral impurity. Energy for good and for others is sapped dishonesty, lying, cheating. Listen, you mark it down most of the problems that you have when especially in marriages and other key relationships when there isn't goodness and sweetness there is sin behind the scenes that's unconfessed and then there is the inability, uh, the moral inability to really deal with things. Now I'm going to be dealing with this in a couple of weeks. The problems in our country folks are not primarily legal, they are moral. And you look at the baseline reason of all the unrest that we have and the concerns we have, it is the lack of morality in the lives of our nation. But God's people often do not exhibit this. Faith, God enables us to believe Him. He gives us strength. It's the spiritual characteristic, trusting that God, uh, God's way as revealed in the word of God is right and that man's way is wrong stepping out on the truth step by step as we do God enlightens and enables us to continue to be faithful responding to God's conviction, illumination and then trusting Him for the power to obey, much to be looked at there the key fleshly problem, of course unbelief and fear meekness Spiritual characteristics, strength under control, one who is under perfect control. In the common Greek, it's a beast that had been tamed, a powerful horse being obedient to a bit and bridle. In the classical Greek, it was a lovely word that spoke of things gentle, people who were gracious. To be a master of ourselves so that we can be a servant to others. Isn't that a beautiful word? Uh, I've known godly people and I, all of these characteristics just as Really used to be that which was part of Christian culture. Key fleshly problem, temper, uncontrolled tongue. And then temperance, spiritual characteristics. Self-control, the holding in of appetites and passions so they do not go beyond God's limits. We've already had that promise in that regard. Overcoming the loss of restraint of the fleshly appetite that came because of the fall. The key problem? Lack of self-discipline and character, that which the Holy Spirit does. By the way folks, character can be had by unsaved people. But Christians should be developing spiritual character because they are walking in the Spirit and more and more and more they've got that habit that goes deep in their relationship with the Lord of doing that which be- is best and right. It's tragic. when Christians fight battles that ought to be uh, more and more won on a regular basis uh, because they lack in the character that they should have. All right, let me stop there for a moment. We've just got a few more minutes here and I'll wrap this up. But folks, isn't that an unbelievable blessing to think that's what the Spirit of God does for us? How many of you would agree that your heart's desire is to be all that I've just talked about when it comes to the Spirit-filled life? Don't we want to live that way? Don't we yearn for goodness? Don't we yearn for that in our lives and the lives of others? Well, my friends, that's not a hope so. If you're a believer here today, you are indwelt by Him. You are indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. You, if you will walk in the Spirit, allow Him to have full control of your life, to be yielded to His Lordship, that is the way He will live through you. And your life can become a real picture of Jesus Christ. That's what the world desperately needs to see. There's the seriousness of the flesh control life. And I'm not going to detail this at all, but let me just read. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, foreign... Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such life, of the, which I have told you before, and I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, folks, what he's saying here is to believers, and he said these are characteristics of the lost world. It ought not be in the lives of God's people. But you know, the list that I just gave you are the uh, leading themes of uh, modern television. Right? And entertainment. Video games. Social media. Even talk shows. How can we feed on that which God hates? Believers, we need to understand that Uh, God wants to free us from sexual sin. He wants to free us from idolatry. He wants to free us from uh, relationship sins in which we keep reacting and have wrong responses to others. He wants to free us from the power of this world. All of these things are mentioned here. And we need to be able to understand the beauty of what he wants in our lives. An artist asked a friend of, uh, to come to his studio to see his latest painting. And at the time appointed, he was shown to a dark room. He made him wait there 15 minutes. Finally, the artist came in, greeted him, and conducted him to the studio. Before he left, the artist said laughingly, I suppose you thought it was really unique to be left in that dark room so long. He said, Well, yeah, I did. He said, well I knew that if you came into my studio with the glare of the street in your eyes you could not appreciate the fine coloring of the pictures, so I left you there until the glare had worn out from your eyes. And folks, the glare of this world and its sin is so in our eyes today. Spiritualist things just don't mean that much. And everybody here can relate to that. You see somebody just reveling in the things of the Lord and you wonder, what's wrong with me? You've got the same spirit. In many ways you know the same truth. But because the Spirit of God has not been in full control because we haven't been dependent on Him, haven't been trusting Him, haven't been yielding to Him, we've been living according to the normal survival in life and the normal ways of coping. Be be not drunk with wine though it may not be wine, hopefully. Uh, Other things in life, be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians uh, 5.18. And what happens is there is just not that understanding, that heart for, that reality of spiritual matters. And that's why there is this battle between the flesh and the spirit. You find that back in verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to another, so you cannot do the things that you would. And so you've either got to determine to be led by the spirit and have the miracle of His grace, or you will be controlled by the flesh. There is no neutral ground for a believer. The good news is you can have complete victory. The bad news is do nothing and you'll have no victory. You might look good, but you're not having victory. You don't have the power of God. You don't have that real relationship. God is not accomplishing His will. And when we do so to the flesh, we will of the flesh reap corruption. And so, just in conclusion, the explanation of our faith solution, if you look with me at verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. That's a fact. We are in Christ. So therefore we don't have to be controlled by the flesh I refer to Romans 6:6 6, 6, knowing this that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin that's our flesh might be destroyed better translated might be rendered ineffective that henceforth we should not serve sin sin does not have to have dominion over us we have victory and as military tacticians, as they talk about getting ready to battle, they talk about a good ready. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ has made a good ready for us. He has given us the victory at the cross, and He has provided the Spirit of God, God Himself in us, to give us glorious victory. But we're to live in the Spirit. We are, the victory is commanded. And we are to live in the spirit. Now folks, God wants to rekindle the passion. But it's not going to come through fle- it's not going to come through flesh effort and it's not going to come by just living in a false concept of liberty. It's going to come in a full embracing of what God says but knowing you can't do it but God will enable you and and you want to be like Christ, and you want that heart for Him, and you want that victory. And I'm telling you, the minute you have that desire, and you, and you start step-by-step, step, uh, knowing the Word of God, depending upon God, and being aware of the Spirit of God's leadership in your life, I'm telling you folks, it's amazing what God will do. We talk about living a life of miracles. What God does in our life is the first big miracle, how many here are thankful for the miracle of salvation in your life? Can I see your hand? It's amazing, isn't it? We haven't even begun to plumb the depths so of what that means. But how thrilled are you about the victory of Christ in your life? It's just as assured. It is your inheritance, it has been paid for through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And my friends, when we start walking with God, there is a passion that begins to come in our soul. We begin to love the Lord. We have no problem leaving the allure of of the world. We begin to realize what our life is about. Uh, Our salvation is precious. The Word of God explodes with meaning. All of a sudden, the spiritual life is that which dominates. We can't do that, but God's ready to do it. And it's crucial that we let him. Let's bow for prayer.